Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Well, hey there, friend, and welcome back to the Your Hair Mentor podcast, and happy new year to you. Can you believe it's already 2024? It seems like I'm in a sci-fi movie when I say that out loud, and I'm doing something a little different for the beginning of this year. I actually have a replay for you from a podcast of a friend of mine's that I was on, and she was so kind as to share the audio file with me here. So what I'm doing is I'm actually sharing the podcast episode from her show that I was on. So you get to hear me be a guest, which is a little different, right? Um, I definitely prefer to be the interviewer than the interviewee, but hopefully I don't come across as awkward as I felt here. Um, But regardless, you know, my friend Misty and I had a wonderful conversation and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And also I'm going to give you a little teaser that she was on my show as well and will be published soon. So um, just kind of sit back and enjoy something a little different today and uh, hope you're starting out your new year right. Okay, we'll dive in here, friend. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Here, we dive into topics that reach far beyond the salon. I'm your host, Misty Jane. I'm a life and money coach for stylists who are obsessed with personal growth. I help you enhance your mindset around money, build a business that lights you up, and create a life of peace. Me and my guests are on a mission to normalize the wealthy stylist while creating a safe space to be perfectly imperfect. Want to join me? Then you're in the right place. 
Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. Today, I'm talking with my friend Crystal Green. She is your hair mentor on Instagram. You can also find her podcast, Your Hair Mentor, as well. I will link all of these things in the show notes because she is an amazing human being that I highly, highly recommend connecting with. Um, Today, we are talking about how consults can make you more money. Now, we all know consultations are important, but how are they putting more butts in your chair? How are they making you actually have more money in your pocket? We're going to go deep on consults today. We're going to talk about customer service, all of the, in my opinion, most important things that can grow and keep a sustainable business. So, Let me introduce you to my friend Crystal Green, your hair mentor, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. How are you today? I am doing fantastic and super happy to be here. I'm pumped to talk to you because today we're going to talk about um, how consultations can actually make you more money. You know, I love money conversations. So before we start, who are you and what do you do? Okay, well, first of all, I just have to tell you, your hair looks really cute today. Thank you. I'm, I'm trying to embrace my natural curls. <laughs> I know. I saw that you posted that on social media, and I love it. Like, I think it, it's very, like, soft, and it fits you very well. So I just – I had well, to get that out there before you. anything else. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Yay. Um, but, yes, yeah, so my name is Crystal Green, and I am a hairstylist turned podcaster, educator, all the fun things in the digital space. And I'm in Reno, Nevada. So I'm like high desert. It is stinking cold outside today. Is it? What is cold? Yes. Well, like this morning it was 22 degrees. Oh, um, gross. So, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> cold and dry. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. And I'm sorry, what else did you ask me? <laughs> I'm already who are off you topic. and what do you do? You know, who am I? That's a big question. Who yes, am I? Yes, it is. Uh, okay, so I'm a hairstylist. I'm a firewife. I have two children that are six and eight years old. Life is busy, and I super appreciate anything that can save me time and money, mm-hmm. which is probably why I've hyper-focused on consultations and communication skills and customer service being what I coach hairstylists with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want to talk about today because I think that, I mean, people talk about consultations, right? Like we know that they're important, but I don't think people really understand kind of how to have like a proper consultation and also kind of how a consultation can set you up for success. And of course, you know, throughout this conversation, I'm going to bring it around money because I don't know how many times in the past I would do a consultation like this was like special when I was first starting and never talk about the financial aspect. And then when it was time you did the surface and all the things, and then you're like, oh my God, I have to charge them something. And that's a whole nother situation. So we're going to kind of get into that a little bit today. So talk to me why you like to focus on consultations. Oh my gosh. Well, as, okay. So my business, everything I do is called your hair mentor. Okay. And I started this whole business because I wanted to help clients. I kind of had this like aha moment in COVID like most of us did, right? Where I had time to think. And what I thought about is like, man, I want to empower and assist more clients to have good experiences in the hair salon. And so I started writing a book, 
geared towards hairstyle, or I'm sorry, towards clients. And then I made some courses that I sold that were how to like style, manage, and maintain your hair at home. And I was thinking, I was like going down this path of like, yeah, clients are going to be so pumped, right? And then I had a friend who I've helped coach. She doesn't live in the same state as me, but I know her from like way back. And she went and got her hair done. And she was like, Crystal, like I know all the things that you've taught me. And I went in and I had like my inspiration photos. I was like picking out the elements of the photo. And we talked about this. We talked about that. But the hairstylist still didn't quite understand what I needed. And so I was like, oh, man. And this is a hairstylist who was like highly rated in her town. You look at her social media and you're like, dang, she's doing good hair. And Mm -hmm. my friend was not happy. And she wasn't happy because there was a miscommunication. Right. And so I was like, shoot. I need to actually take a step back and speak to hairstylists and allow them to empower their clients, right? Because if the hairstylist and the client are not speaking the same language, it all falls apart. Right. And so, right? And so where does that communication start with the hairstylist? It starts with the consultation. A thousand percent. More than anything else, right? And so I'm like, if a hairstylist can dial in that consultation, figure out what their client needs, wants, and desires, and what's actually possible with their hair, and set a plan, like, you can be a very mediocre hairstylist and have good expectations, right? You're setting the expectations with your client and delivering on the results. And that's really all they want from you. And so to me, it all comes down to the consultation, which is why I've focused on that. What do you think? I was gonna say, it's interesting. I've never thought about the the money part of it, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's like kind of an awkward thing that I didn't even think about. Like for me, I'm like communication, customer service skills, right? But part of that is the money conversation. It's like, a thousand percent part. And think about it too. Like, like I know when I first start, cause I charge for consultations, at least I used to. And when I was full-time and I, for the longest time, didn't want to do that. And then once I started doing that, I actually started getting more clients that were like my dream clients. And they would sit in my chair and they would thank me for having this in-person consultation. They, you know, they would actually show up. They wouldn't just book it and not book like all of the things. And that is when I kind of realized that like, oh my gosh, like the money mindset aspect of a consultation is, is very overlooked because the reason that that money was set that like the $40 consultation was even a thing was really to stop people from not showing up and just booking it. Cause when someone sees free, they're like, ah, it's fine. It's only, it's only 15, 30 minutes, whatever. Like it'll be fine. I just won't show up. Um, or you're getting people that just want to see what you can do, you know? And, and I was like, no, I want the people who are serious. I want the people who, when they hear my prices, they're not going to be shocked because they paid $40 just to sit with me for 30 minutes and not actually leave with anything. And that was like a huge, like, kind of, again, you know, financial eye opener when it came to my business. But with that being said, they're expecting a thorough consultation, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to pay $40 to come and sit and go, so what do you want? Right. (laughs) You know, they want to feel just as comfortable with me as their service provider, as I feel comfortable as them as a client to do, you know, do the things that I love to do. Um, so I think there's a big factor. And then on top of like the pricing factor and somebody not like walking in, getting their hair done and then have no, no idea like what it's going to cost. Totally. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's funny because 
I guess this just hasn't been a stumbling block for me. You know, early in my career, I did not charge for consultations, but, you know, as a new stylist, what did I have to offer to people? I wasn't super experienced. Um, You know, I had like some hair skills, but I was new. I had a lot of time to offer. And so I did offer them for free. But at some point, I remember there was like a breakover point where I'm like, well, in that same 30 minute block, I could be making money and I'm not. And this person isn't even committed to me yet. So I need to start charging for my time. And so I think the last like 10 years of my career, I did charge for my consultations. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to take it a step further, like to me, it just made sense to talk about the price in a consultation, right? Like make a plan, talk about the price and you're done. But I didn't put that in my training. Like to me, that that's like a separate thing. But like, let's tie this all together because I'm now rethinking this, thinking, oh, this needs to be part of the conversation, right? I was gonna say, now you're gonna get out, like leave here and like start videoing your next your next module. <laughs> 100%. Or I'll just bring you in as a guest speaker and we can do that because- well, I've decided that I am amused now because every time I have interviews on the podcast, especially with educators or anyone who's selling a service outside of hair, I always like have this, an idea for them. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm just the ideas person. So like, <laughs> love it. Love it. What do you think the biggest issue is with consultations? Like, what do you think stylists struggle with the most? Hmm. I think they don't dive into like, um, the fears and the comforts that their clients need. Mm-hmm. I think that is the most overlooked. I think it's really easy for us to try to figure out, okay, so my client wants this. And their hair can do this. Right. Easy. Problem solved. And I'm like, there is a third, I call them guiding principles, in the consultation that we need to consider. And that's their feelings. Right? Mm-hmm. So just because they say they they like this, this haircut on this model in this picture and their hair can do it does not mean that they're going to feel good about it. Right. Maybe right. they're like they're asking for a bob. OK. And they've got this hump on their neck that they're super self-conscious about. You need to kind of figure out where their insecurities are so you can tell them, hey, just so you know, if you cut your hair short like that, that thing that you told me about is going to show. Are we cool with that? Or are we not cool with that? Yeah. Because you know what I mean? Like they might walk out being like, oh, my God, I look amazing with my new haircut. And then they get home and they look in the mirror and they're like, oh. <gasps> oh my God, that hump is hanging out. And now I hate my haircut and I'm going to cry. Right. How do you bring stuff like that? Like have them bring stuff like that up, right? Like, especially in a situation where it's a new client, you don't really have a relationship with them yet. Maybe they're not as super comfortable opening up to you, you know? Um, How do you go about like bringing that up in a way that like makes them feel comfortable, seen, heard, all of the things? So I think that's actually a misconception to think that someone is not um, comfortable with us when they come in. Mm. So I think, you know, when we talk about digital spaces and increasing our no like trust factor with our clients, I know those of your listeners that have any sort of uh, dive into the digital world have heard that before, before the world, Um, right? Where you're like touch points, you're getting to know people, they're getting comfortable with you. When someone comes in and they sit in your chair, they have already escalated all the way to like no trust. They Mm. made the decision to come sit in your chair. They're being vulnerable by allowing themselves to sit in your chair. You're already there. You're already in their personal space. Now it's our responsibility to like massage that trust and really build the relationship. But I think we have the freedom and the ability to then give them 
information like that. Like, and it's through questions like, Hey, so what are some things about your hair that you don't like that you're not comfortable with? You know, when you tuck your hair behind your ear, how do you feel about that? So you don't just say like, girlfriend, your ear sticks out like crazy, (laughs) right? You can be kind, or maybe that's your brand. Maybe your brand is like, listen, you've got this like weird thing happening over here and I'm going to fix it for you. So don't worry. Right. It can be on brand for you. Right. 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 But I think it's allowed. I think clients are telling us by sitting in our chairs and allowing us that comfort that it's okay. They're going to trust us because they're their, we're their guide. We're their mentor. We're there to help them. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. I always ask like, what is the best haircut you've ever had? What's the worst haircut you ever had and why? Like, you know, and that always brings up a lot of things that I don't think they would have known to talk about. You know, it's like maybe they come in with a picture and there's some fringe, but then I I asked that question like, oh my God, I got bangs one time. It was the worst. I was like, well, hey, this picture has bangs. And she's, oh yeah, I don't want that part. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's our job to figure that out, right? Like they really don't know how to communicate, especially color. That's a whole nother situation. Um, How do you kind of... How do you coach to that? Like, how do you coach to bringing out, like, if I look at your hair and say, I see orange, her hair is obviously not orange, but she can't tell me that I don't see orange, right? Like, how Mm -hmm. do you kind of navigate that with a client? So I like to coach to, there's like a handful of tools we can have in our toolbox, first and foremost, right? There's language. We can use um, visual aids like swatches and photos. We can use um, written language, like in, we can have text conversations and then body language, like I'm doing it right here, right? We have all of these ways that we can communicate with people, but we also have another one as hairstylists that I think we all know we have, but we don't really tap into until we're really aware of it. And that's our situational awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, we can kind of pick up on like, is my client uncomfortable when they're talking about this, right? Like, are they kind of like squirming in their chair? Are they making weird faces at themselves? What's their body language telling me, right? So using that situational awareness to kind of guide your questions is first and foremost. Um, And then when it comes to like, discrepancies and like you describe something one way, I describe it in another way. I just literally hit it from every angle. Like, okay, so you think your hair looks like this. Let me pull out some swatches and let's point to it. Like like, literally teach me what that means to you. Yes. I love that. I'm a huge, like pull out the swatches. Like I heard in in the past, like don't pull out the swatches. It confuses them. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. And I always say like, Hey, we're using this just so I get an idea of what you're looking at. I'm not like, Hey, okay. That's the color. It's going to be at the end. Like, you know what I mean? And I love the swatches. Now I will say like, so language I feel like can be confusing for people, right? It's one of the tools I teach, but it's not just technical language right? You can speak some technical terms to your clients. Like I've seen some stylists that I've worked with in the past, pick up a swatch and be like, no, this is an 8G. Your client doesn't care if it's an 8G. They just care if they think it's pretty or not, right? Yes, exactly. So it's like, you know, be aware of who you're talking to, who your target audience is sitting in your chair. Does your client understand that? Cool. Have that conversation. If not, just say, this is a warm gold, right? How do yeah. we feel about it on our face? How do you feel about it on your chin? Do you like it here? Do you like it compared to this? And like, just use it as a tool. Like you're talking to a child who doesn't know. Yeah. My, um, one of my favorite things, um, that I've ever seen in my career was Kevin Murphy came out. I don't think they have it anymore, but they came out with like, it was a box 
and it was like essentially like clip on bangs. They weren't really clip on bangs, but it was like to put colors on your clients. Like it was literally like a little headpiece that you could put on. And it was so fun to bring it out because especially like the reds, right? I love reds. I attract people who like reds and coppers and warm tones. And you get this person that's like, I want chocolate, but I don't want red. And I want this and I don't want red. So I would whip out these things. I mean, they looked ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? But they would change the temperature of someone's face so quickly that a client like would immediately kind of know what they like. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know why this conversation reminded me of those, but it did. Um, (laughs) I'm like, where did those go? Those are amazing. So, so was it you who posted someone posted about buying clip on bangs? Was it you? Yes. That was genius. Right. Because so, and now I'm getting off topic, but come on, I do this all the time. Um, (laughs) Um, buying the clip on bangs so that if a client comes in and says that they want bangs, they would, what did you say? They had to wear them for like a couple minutes or something or right. a consultation yeah. or something yeah, exactly. to see if they like them. Genius. And well, I did it myself them in different colors. Right. The I know. Reason. That's literally what I'm thinking about right now. Cause the ones that I bought are like this buttery blonde just cause it was whatever, you know, I think yeah. it was like the cheapest ones I could buy. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy them in every color because it's one thing to hold a swatch that's like, you know, two inches big up to someone's face and another to like drape them in a color. Yes. That's genius. It, it was, it was great. I don't know if Kevin Murphy still makes them, but I mean, I'm sure you could, sorry, Kevin Murphy, but you could probably go on Amazon and get them for like $4. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and and to think about this as like an investment too, like it seems kind of silly to go spend what, 10 to $20 per bang, but maybe that's going to save you time redoing hair or spending extra time doing something where you could have just figured out in the beginning what you need to do. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I think the consultation is so interesting to me. How, so do you teach on, um, sitting in front of the client or standing behind the client? So I go back and forth on this. To me, my consultations involve me looking at their hair, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I sit them down in my chair, touch them immediately. That's like part of what I coach too is like invite them into your space, right? Do you ask them if you can touch them first? Because I've heard that. Not their shoulders. I do not. I ask them if I can touch their hair, right? Right. Coming and sitting in my chair, you have already allowed me to be in your space. I'm going to welcome you with a comforting touch on your arm or your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Hi, welcome. Nice to see you. Yep. Right. How can I help you today? Now I'm going to say, can I touch your hair? Right. Because now I'm going to like dig in there. Right. And it's a, it'd be awkward to just dive in there without asking, I think. Right. Um, So I do the majority of my consultation standing behind them in the mirror, but I am physically touching them the whole time. And I will, I will jump to the side and I will, I'm like, try not to get away from my microphone. I'll jump to the side and look him in the eye when I'm going to ask him a question that like, doesn't need to be in the mirror where I'm like referencing something. So if it's like, how do you feel about that? Eye to eye contact, right? Right. When they're using their hands and they're telling me lengths and we're talking colors, I look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and I, I, I love the idea of sitting next to someone because you're kind of like coming down to their level. But honestly, it's just not super practical, right? Right. And it it just, to me, it becomes like a very involved process and you end up sitting for longer than you need to. I am all about time and efficiency. Like the mini course that I put together is called the efficient consultation formula. Like how fast can we do this in a way that makes you quickly understand what your client needs from you so you're not spending 
30 to 40 minutes every time you need to have a consultation. I feel like those get away from us and they easily become those long conversations when we're sitting chatting with them. You're like inviting more than just let's have a consultation. Now we're just having a full conversation. Right. I was going to ask you, because that was another thing that was a big thing, especially like 10 years ago, that was like, if the consultation is longer than 15 minutes, they're like, you don't want them as a client. Do you agree with that? Totally disagree. Yeah, I do too. And now if it's like 45, then I might agree. (laughs) But I feel like that responsibility is not, it's not the client's fault that you're having this long conversation. I think that's the hairstylist not having enough skills and um, being able to quickly and efficiently figure out what they need from their client. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they're not controlling the conversation like they should. Yes, Yes. exactly. The power dynamic is off there. Mm -hmm. And you're letting this client run away with this conversation that doesn't need to be happening right now. Well, and I think stylists sometimes forget, too, that like they are the expert. The person is seeking them out because they are the expert. And that person actually wants them to kind of tell them what they want in a way, you know, obviously they have their input and things that they like and don't like and blah, blah, blah. But like, they want that stylist to be that expert, you know, they don't come in to just like, well, I do because I'm a hairstylist, but the typical client doesn't come in just to borrow somebody's hands. You know right. I mean? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm the worst client though. So <laughs> I feel like all hairstylists are the worst clients ever. The worst. Yeah. I really wish I could just take my hair off and do it myself. I'm and don't literally going to say that. Who cut my hair, I absolutely love. She actually is like out of everyone all these years, the 20 years I've been doing hair, she cuts my hair the best. Um, but I'm picky, man. I'm picky, especially when it comes to color. I'm re- I always end up retoning. Always. Me too. <laughs> or I just do it myself. <laughs> I know. It's like a sickness, right? It's like, I know. I know what I want and I just can't get it from someone else. And yeah. but, it, but it's like I can, but I just, I don't know. I'm too picky, I guess. I have a question for you since majority of the listeners are stylists. Do you like literally forget everything you know as a stylist when you sit in the chair to get your hair done by somebody else? <laughs> yes. And I, but I, yes, but I think it's because what I really, really, really want, I want that client experience, yeah. but I, there's like this internal struggle. Like I can't have that client experience because I'm not allowing myself to have that person as my guide and my mentor right? Like I can't erase what I know. And that so very true. But like I so badly want to just sit in someone's chair and have them just be my guide and be my mentor and be like, this is where I think you should go with this. And I just want to be pretty and I can't turn it off. And so I, I'm just like a total ding dong when I'm sitting in a stylist chair, you know? I know I'm the worst. I'll like show a picture and I'm like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if my hair will even do that. And I'm like, yes, you do, Missy. You do know what your hair will do. <laughs> you know, it's so funny to me. Yeah. Um, Let's bring this around to money a little bit. So how do you coach on just talking about pricing? Or I mean, do you not at all? I don't. That is not my thing. You know what I mean? I just, um, I, okay, full disclosure, I suck at it actually, personally. Oh, all right, let's do this. Let, <laughs> let's, let's literally publicly hash this out right now if you're cool with Woo! that. I'm cool with it. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about when you're, your process then in a consultation when it comes yeah. to the money part. You know, oh, sorry. My dog's barking. Hello. Real life. Having a podcast with dogs barking <laughs> in the background. Dog. That's okay. Oh my gosh. 
Okay, I think they're done. Uh, there must be the mailman here or something. Right. Um, okay, so in a consultation, like I'm hyper-focused on, you know, digging into what my client's needs, desires, and wants are, what makes them feel good. And like part of that is their budget. Like I have that conversation with them, right? Right. If they're coming in and asking for a service, it's going to cost this much, but they can only spend this much. I'm like, cool, let's figure out what's going to work for you and your budget then. Um, but I am definitely someone that's guilty of, like emotional discounting in the past and feeling like I'm hung up on like, oh, I don't know if they can pay that. Or I make a plan and then at the execution, I end up throwing in another toner or I do something to kind of course correct and then I don't charge them for it. Mm, Right, right, right. I mean, I think we have all done that. Yes. And so, I mean, to me, it's never been a big enough deal that I felt like I had to like address it with people, but maybe there's others that need more help with that too. So like, it's just so funny. My wheels are turning as we're having this conversation. And I'm like, you know, I went into this thinking like money is not my thing chart, you know, pricing money mindset. That is just not my wheelhouse. I am the conversation queen. I'm the communication girl. Uh Uh, But yeah, part of that conversation needs to happen around money too. So yeah, I don't know. Help me unpack this a little bit. Yeah, Well, for sure. So like that, like communication around money is something I like to talk about a lot because it's happening in literally every day of our lives, whether we're at the salon or we're at a store or, you know, and it's very uncomfortable for most people, whether you're asking to receive a certain amount of money or whether you're asking to pay a certain amount of money or whatever, it's a, it's a, it can be a funky conversation. I mean, it can be a funky conversation with your significant other that you literally live with, you know? So I think that it's interesting. I like talking about this because the more that you have money conversations in all aspects of your life, the easier it is to have them in the salon. And I think that's where people kind of disconnect the two, but I think they go hand in hand because I know the more that I heal my money relationship, the easier it is for me to charge what I set to charge that is on my website that I tell my clients at the consultation, like, you know what I mean? So it's so much easier for me to stand in that like power of my prices because I get more, I have gotten more comfortable having these financial conversations in every other aspect. Mm. And I think, again, I think people don't think about that. Mm-mm. Let me ask you this. And now we're getting real vulnerable. So if you don't want to answer, you're just going to say, no, Misty, no. <laughs> um, do you struggle with money conversations outside of the salon? In terms of like, give me an example. Oh my gosh. Almost like with my significant other or significant like. other. Um. I'm trying to think of a good example. Okay, you go out to eat with girlfriends and you they want to split the bill, but you don't want to split the bill because maybe you got less than, you know what I mean? Whatever, like any something like that, like something mm-hmm. where money has to be chatted about in one way or another. Is that like uncomfortable? Or are you like, fuck it, they want to split the bill. We're just going to split the bill because I don't want to talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of more of that second one. Yeah, I, I have always just felt like, um, and I think we talked about this on my podcast, like um, money's just kind of been this thing that's always been like flowing in my life. Like my entire adult life, I've worked doing hair and I've had the like, instant gratification of like, I went and worked a hard day at the salon and I've got all this money in my pocket and it, I always worked. So I always had money. So it was just always like, do, 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 no, whatever. Yeah. If you want to split a check, split a check. Like it's just money YOLO, you know, right. like, uh, the kind of this like blase, like it's fine feeling about money. So I don't think I have any qualms about that. Um, but I will say like, I just remembered something, um, 
with my money conversations with my clients a couple years back, um, before I shut my salon down, I switched to hourly pricing and this is how I got around having money conversations. Okay. I just put this cute little sign on my station that was like $75 per hour for all services or hundred dollars per hour for all services. And then when I had my consultation, I would say, so this will probably take about two and a half hours. And I didn't say, and that that will cost you X, Y, Z. I left it at the hourly mark. I'm like, they'll do the math. I don't have to say the numbers. Right. Interesting. So I actually switched to hourly too, but my clients don't know that I'm hourly. So when they book, if they book a, you know, I'm a hundred dollars an hour flat. So it's like, if they book, you know, an hour haircut, it says on my thing, a hundred dollars. If they book, you know, um, a root touch up and it takes an hour and a half, it's $150. And like, it is just like very easy. So like, like you were saying earlier about needing to like, maybe do a gloss or something that like fix something or whatever. Like, I don't have to have that conversation. I don't have to have that extra bowl conversation. I don't have to like, Oh, you booked a two hour slot. Your appointment is going to be $200. And it doesn't matter if we're root touching up, we're cutting Like, it doesn't matter. You are booking my time we can do whatever you want in that time. And I will say that that has helped a ton. And I don't tell them it's an hourly cost. I just tell them that whatever you are paying to block off my schedule. So if you block off two hours and it only takes an hour and a half, you are still paying for two hours just because again, you are reserving my time and whatever we can do in that time, we can do in that time. Right. It has been a game changer for me because I think money, especially in the salon, we get into clients' pockets, right? So like I hear you, like, yes, I think that knowing that money flows is great. Like I think that that's, it's true, right? But the emotional discounting means that we're kind of putting our money beliefs and blocks in their wallets and that is a problem, right? That's a problem for our business. You know what I mean? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And then to kind of like piggyback off the hourly thing, I have a question for you too. Um, So let's say you block out two hours of time. It actually took two hours and 15 minutes. Do you then go back? That's on me. Okay. So I I would do that too. And I'm like, to me, to me, that's like an emotional discounting thing, right? Like you're trying to tell them it's going to take this amount of time. Well, it took 15 minutes more and your time is worth that 15 minutes. I would always let it slide until it got to like 30 minutes. And then I'd be like, okay, we need to kind of have a look cost adjustment here. Like I thought this would take this long, but it actually took a little longer. But up until the 30 minute mark, I would be like, I'm just not going to say anything and let it slide. And it depends on the consultation too. Like there are some appointments where I'm like, this might take here, this might take there. You know what I mean? That's different. Then I will charge for how long it takes. But that's very rare now. I mean, I don't do a lot of hair now. I do like three days a week or I'm sorry, three days a month now. So, and I don't take new clients. So it's kind of, I know how long most of my clients are going to take now. So I don't really have that issue. Um, But if I run over, no, I do not charge. Because in my opinion, that's my kind of mess up you know, but if it's a new client, I will give leeway. Like I will give like, or if I'm doing something different on somebody, I will give kind of a, Hey, this might be this, it might be this kind of situation. Um, just because, I mean, sometimes I just talk too much and over foil and that's not their fault. (laughs) Right. It's true. And isn't that one of the hardest things to figure out as a hairstylist is how long things take you? Oh, a thousand percent. And I think that's the hardest part of the consultation too, especially when somebody wants something very different. 
You know, it's like, I think that like my hair, for example, my hair doesn't look that thick. I It's very thin diameter wise, but I have a lot of it. So my hair always takes people a little bit longer than they think. And I mean, I still do that sometimes, you know, and even with clients that I know their hair, I'm like, oh, you want to do that? Great. And then I start doing it. And then I'm like, shit, I need like a whole nother hour. <laughs> and that's why like I coach too, like when I'm having a consultation with someone, I'm like raking through their hair, digging my fingers in their hair, trying to get a sense of like, how much hair does this person actually have? And then right. are there any surprises that I'm going to run into along the way? So like, are you having hard water issues at home? Cause we all know that's caused a hiccup and stuff. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have to do a whole nother like 30 minute hard water treatment to get past this or whatever that wasn't in the plan, right? So I try to equip stylists the best that I can to approach those things in the beginning of the appointment and yep. then over or under promise and over deliver always. For sure. So I did something when I was full-time in my suite that I really loved. Um, they would come in for the consultation and especially if it was like a big project, like if we were doing like a full change or, or if it's, you know, somebody had been doing it and they just don't like it and you know, all the, a big color situation, I would have them come in first for what I called a detox appointment. So they would come in, we would do a crystal gel or a CPR, depending on what we were doing. Usually it was a CPR because CPR Malibu C is life. Um, <laughs> Agreed. And, and a haircut. And the cool thing about this is one, I could take out whatever I needed to take out. So that was going to help me once I did foil, it wasn't going to process as long. I was able to cut their hair and get all the dead stuff off. So I could, you know, kind of see what their hair, get my hands in it. Like really, I could blow dry, see how long that takes. Like, so when I went into the actual color appointment, it actually felt like I knew their hair and it helped book that appoint that next appointment. So they would come in technically three times and the third time would be the actual color, but it was like, great. It was great for them. And it was great for me. Cause it was like, either you can sit here for five hours and we can do it all, or you can come in and do this still like your hair. It's not going to be exactly what you want yet. And then next week or a couple days later, we can do, you know, the three hour, whatever it was going to be. Um, I really liked doing that. Not every client enjoys that, but my ideal ones did, you know? Right. I think that's really fascinating. Uh, one of the things I love to focus on with my trainings is the customer journey. Right? Yes. And that process that you just described is basically a customer journey for a new transformative client. You take them on that first consultation and you're basically committing them to these appointments that's going to get them to this end desired result that they want to get to, well, they're going to show up, right? Like you just, you just created this like transformation for them in the process and now they're committed and they're going to come back. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was, I really liked, I mean, it was great for me and it was great for them. And a lot of time that crystal gel, like they liked their hair. Like there was times where we would crystal gel it and then they didn't want to do anything different. Like that happened probably, I would say 25% of the time. So why book this big appointment, do that, the crystal gel, like I was going to probably do anyway. And then them go, you know what? I really like this. And then I have three hours just to sit there because, you know, they don't want the highlights or whatever, because they had hidden highlights in there that they didn't realize they had. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> and they probably thought you were a stinking genius because you use this stuff that like wasn't bleached, that didn't damage their hair. And they're like, oh my God, no one's ever thought to do this on me before. 
And it saves them money. Yes. You know, because that detox appointment's way cheaper than doing like a full heavy highlight, you know? So yeah. But let's talk about how a consultation changes depending on your ideal client. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, my ideal clients were okay with that. Not everyone's ideal client is okay with that. And not everyone's ideal client is okay with even coming in for a consultation. Right. <laughs> yeah. So in my signature course called Salon Experience Academy, where I teach hairstylists who they are, who they serve, and how to serve them, that middle one, who they serve, is really, really important. And what that means is not only am I teaching you to put your client as the hero of the story in the story of your business, but what that hero looks like. And I think everything has to stem from who are you talking to? Who are you serving? And you really have to do a little bit of like inner work and figure out like what kind of person lights you up? What kind of person do you want to have in your chair? And once you know that, then your marketing and your branding and all of that stuff is going to speak to that ideal client, right? So that hopefully... By the time someone's sitting in your chair, they're already in that category of like, this is the person I want to help, right? Yes, for sure. That's what happened with me when I honed in on branding and like my website was like on point, like it literally everyone that came in was perfect. Everyone. It was insane to me how that worked. I was like, well, but it also makes you want to get rid of all the old people that, you know, <laughs> totally didn't, didn't fit in that category anymore. Uh, what would you say your ideal client is? Mm, I love moms of young kids that want to look 80% good, right? Like they're like, I do not need to be photo shoot ready. Maybe I put on some mascara or bronzer, not both because I don't have time for that, right? Right. Um, I'm going to wash my hair every couple days. Day one, it's going to look amazing. Day two, I kind of need to pull it back in a clip. Day three, we're dry shampooing and it's out of my face because I got shit to do with my kids. Yep. Um, so they are like, kind of get me in, get me out, make me look like pretty good. But mm -hmm. also like I'm cool with leaving without my hair blow dried. Right. Those are my people. Uh, I love it. Mine are, they like a longer appointment. They like not having me double book. They, they, they literally our conversations are like therapy appointments. Like they don't have to come in every eight weeks. They can wait a whole month. It's fine because the, I'm, I love seamless blends. Like that is just my, literally makes my heart happy. You know, I like when my client comes in and I go, your hair looks great still. And they're like, I know <laughs> like, I, they're my favorite. So it's funny when I hear people say like, you need a double book, you need to be faster, you need to this, you need to that. And I'm like, but not everyone wants that. My clients don't want to be rushed. I quit doing hair for 10 months after 2020 to pursue this coaching business. And um, they would come back when I decided to come back the one day a week, they came back to me and some of their biggest complaints were the things that like, like quote unquote, the hair society would like say is like, you know, the right way to do things. Like they didn't like that, that people double booked. They didn't like that. They felt rushed. They didn't like, you know, they didn't like that. And I was like, you are my people. <laughs> and it's fascinating, right? What do you say to that when it comes to like, there's a lot of noise on Instagram of what you should be doing quote unquote. Mm. What do you think about that? You know, I think there is a bunch of different people in this world there's a bunch of different types of hairstylists and there's a bunch of different types of clients. And I think the the biggest takeaway from all of it is A, you should be following people and looking up to people that speak to your heart, right? Yes. When you hear people speak in a way that you're like, yes, 
Mm, that was my jam. Those are the people you follow. Okay. Yep. You need to know who you are, like what makes your heart sing, and then just attract those clients. And so there's like a pocket for everyone out there, right? Like, okay, so before social media was around, because I've been doing hair since the dark ages, I had to get people in person, right? Yep, same. That was, that was how you met clients. And so what I did, all the grocery stores, the, whatever Anywhere I went in town was a marketing opportunity in my mind, right? And I used to have like cute little business cards. We don't do that anymore. I understand that. But at the time it was relevant, but I would find the person in the shop or the grocery store that I was like, she's cute and like seems cool. I want to have her in my chair. And I would just go start a conversation with her. Right. Hey, do you, have you ever used these cooking things? I mean, whatever. And then I would be like, you know, your hair is so cute. Your kind of haircut is my favorite kind of haircut to do. Oh, I'm a hairstylist, by the way. Um, do you have any friends that want to cut their hair like yours? And yes. then it gets them thinking like, oh, well, you like my hair? You like to do this kind of hair? Um, will you give my number to someone, anyone that wants it? Or like, I know obviously you have a great hairstylist right now, so I'm not trying to like steal you. But like, if you ever want to come my way, would love to have you in my chair. Right? And so love what did that. I just do? I created a relationship with like someone who's my ideal client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for me, that looked like something different than it would look like for you or for someone else. And I think just just understanding that, like, you are unique and that's wonderful. And so will your clients be. Yes. You know, that got that like has my gears turning a little bit because so I've been doing it 20 years this year. So same, like walking around with the business cards, dropping them on every restaurant table, all the things. And this kind of has me thinking is like we are now in a world where people, we have the ability to attract people to us without us having to necessarily seek them out. But, you know, 15, 20 years ago was not the case. We were kind of just handing out business cards and crossing our fingers that they were people that we liked or that like aligned with us. And that really like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting to me. Cause I mean, we are in that, that like category of like, okay, now we get to choose and like now do you feel like you went through a phase where you had to kind of in a way push people out that didn't align with you or did you feel like passing out the business cards the way that you did it always brought in the people that you wanted Mm, in the beginning of my business i was just hungry right i would give my card out to anyone um Mm -hmm. mostly like there was definitely red flags where i'm like i'm not giving my card to that person right (laughs) Um, but yeah i was like flipping them out like um you know the dollar bills in a music video (laughs) yeah exactly i was just like come on in yeah um but then i got pickier over time for sure because i finally figured out what made me happy as a stylist right like the type of hair that i like to do the type of person i like to interact with and then i could kind of scope them out pretty quickly you know i talked about that situational awareness before as creatives like god we are so good at that if we hone in on it and using that situational awareness to be like "Mm, that person's kind of psycho i don't think i want to talk to them or like dude that person seems super cool and i would love to have them in my chair look at the way they're talking to their kid in the grocery store that's my jam right so yes i got pickier over time but i would like to add to this um conversation that like it is beautiful with digital marketing that we can attract people to us without having to put ourselves out there but just like i mentioned before the minute someone's sitting in your chair, you've immediately escalated the no like trust factor, right? Meeting people in person and putting yourself out there to reach out to those people also does that. Yeah. So like to me, in-person marketing is almost like this lost art, 
a lot of us focus so much attention to the digital stuff, right? Like my Instagram has to be beautiful. My website has to be beautiful. What about your people skills? Right. Right. How many lost opportunities are there in grocery stores and whatever, like bars? Like, oh, my God, I met so many clients in the bars. Like, get get a little sauce in me. And I'm like talking color formulas. Oh, bathroom consultations all day. (laughs) Like, I made some amazing clients because of that. And then they come in and they're like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed when I met you. I was so drunk. And like, there's already just like kind of like some camaraderie going on. And like, obviously, I'm a different person when I'm standing behind the chair professional than I was dancing at the club. But like age. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. But like when I was 21 and I was getting clients that were my age from the bars, like that was that was my target audience at the time. And so I think like, you know, we have to remember that that in-person marketing can be so useful and very, very quickly you can pick out your target audience just in your community. Well, I think customer service is 80% of it. I really do. Like I've always felt that way. Like I'm not the best hairstylist in the world, but my customer service is on fucking point. Like my clients feel like the most special people in the world, not just when they're in my chair, but just in general, you know what I mean? And I, and that I thrive on that. I love that. Um, and I mean, gosh, I've messed people's hair up and they still come to me. You know what I mean? Like I do. Because I owned it and didn't yes. go, oh, it's fine. You can go. <laughs> like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I I'm I it's fascinating kind of watching the shift because do you think that everyone starting out needs to do all the things to see what they like? Mm, maybe there's some validity to that. But I mean, I think for for people that are serving members of their community, right? Like hairstylists, our clients, most of them most likely live in our communities. And so um, online doesn't hurt just to have kind of a reference, right? Like, okay, let me tell you a story. This is why I started my social media, okay? So I started my business, my first business in California, and then I had a second business in Texas, and then a third in Nevada where I live now. So when I moved to Nevada, I was like, okay, Crystal, we're going to start this again. So just like every other time, I went and had business cards made with my little logo and my name and like where my salon was. I did not have social media. Because in past years, I didn't need it. It didn't exist. It was not the useful tool that it is now. Okay. Right. So I went for my typical in person marketing skills and techniques that I learned over the years, and I found this cute girl at the bank. So, of course, I got in her line, right? I was like, tell her one, nope. Tell her two, nope. Tell her three, ding dong. Yeah. I get in her line and I, you know, get up to talk to her. And of course I'm like, oh my God, your hair is super cute. Or like, what products do you use? And she's young. She's got this like long, dark hair and she's in it. Like I can tell immediately she's like, yes, I'm going to come see you. She's like, oh, do you have information? I'm like, yes, I do. Here's my card. And she looks at my card and she says, what's your handle? Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm sorry, my what? She's like, your handle. I'm like, what's a handle? She's like... (laughs) Instagram. And I was like, oh, I don't have Instagram. The look on her face literally changed. And I could tell she was going to slide my card straight into the trash can when I walked away. And so I walked out of there and I was like, shit, I have to have Instagram now. I already met her. She already likes me. She wants to come see me. She wanted to make sure I was legit and look at my work. That's all it is. Exactly. I I was going to say like, 
that, so even me, like if somebody tells me a new restaurant, somebody tells me anything, any new business, the first thing I do is go on Instagram. I don't go to Google. I don't go to Yelp. I go immediately to Instagram. I want to see what you're posting. I want to see what you're talking about. I want to see where you're located. I want to see like all the things. I want to see what you're sharing in your stories. Like, at a restaurant, even just a restaurant, you know what I mean? Like, um, and it's so interesting. It took me a while to get on the Instagram game too. Um, it's funny looking back at those old pictures now. <laughs> oh yeah. I used to carry around like a, um, a photo album. Like I had like a, like my lookbook, like a right? portfolio. I literally did. I had a small one and I'd be like, oh, let me show you this like hair show that I did. And like these bridal updos. And I mean, they're just all like Polaroid photos, you know? <laughs> I love it. That is so funny. Yeah. It's definitely it's a whole different world. It really is. And I don't hate on it. I think it's cool. I think it's amazing. I mean, Instagram changed my completely changed my business when I, especially when I went out on my own. But there is still something to be said, like you said, about the personal connection and referrals. Referrals are still everything. Now somebody's going to refer you and they're going to go to your Instagram and see what you can do. And then they're going to go to your website and see what they, if they like that. Cause if I have to click on your website more than five times in any business, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you don't have your shit together. I don't like it. <laughs> like, you know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it is interesting. There's a lot more to it than just doing the hair and there it's is. exhausting. Yeah, it can be, or it can be exhilarating and almost be like a game, which mm-hmm. is how I've always thought of it. So um, this is going to sound really weird, but hear me out here. Um, All of the interactions we have in our businesses, uh, there's like a power dynamic happening at all given time, right? Your client comes in and they want a hair service. Who do they need? You, right? You're in charge of that situation and you should maintain control at all times. Mm -hmm. And so one of the best ways to do that is to think of yourself as like a manipulator, Oh. And like, I, th- I know that's, that's like a negative word to use, but I'm like, oh my God, I love it. Like, I love being able to assess someone, my situational awareness. And within the first five seconds, I'm going to understand how I need to communicate with that person. I'm going to come to their level. I'm going to get, you know, jam with them the best that I can, because I am going to manipulate this conversation. They are going to feel like they are the center of my world. Yes. Are they the center of my world? No. Not at all. But they're going to leave and they're going to be like, oh my God, Crystal read my mind. She's amazing. She made me feel like I was so important and valued and heard and seen. And I'm like, yes, you did. And next and the next person, I'm going to put a different hat on. And to me, it's like this really fun game of like human interactions and manipulations. And um, I guess it's kind of like an experiment at all times. And I, I think if we could tap into that, each of us individually in our businesses, oh my God, how much you would prosper in this world. I love that. I love that. Yes. Manipulation doesn't have to be a bad word. Sometimes it's necessary, you know, especially in business for sure. Cause you got to take control, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. the worst is when you lose control of a conversation with a client. Like sometimes that is like, oh my gosh, talk about stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. I love all of this. This is amazing. Please tell all the listeners like about all the things that you offer. Awesome. Okay. So, um, for a while now I've been offering personalized one-on-one coaching, which it's funny because people will come to me and be like, I need a hair mentor. I need to learn more about 
toners. And I'm like, well, after five minutes of conversation, it's very clear to me that you know enough about toners. You need some better communication skills to be able to extrapolate from your client what they're looking for, right? I like so that was, word that you just said. They're like, extrapolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I throw big words in to make it sound like I'm smarter than I am. It's cool. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, right? You're like extracting information from your clients, right? So I agree with you. Like I'm not the best hairstylist in the world, but I'm a really good communicator. And I'm, I guess you could say I'm kind of a good bullshitter, right? It's like an art form, right? To be able to just be like, you know what? Okay, so this is what you need. This is what I can do. Let's figure out in the middle. So that's personalized coaching where I've worked with people where usually they don't come in thinking I need communication skills. Every hairstylist thinks they have good communication skills. They're good at talking. That doesn't mean you're good at communicating. Oh my God. Amen. Right? (laughs) Yes. But usually they end up being like, oh my gosh, I hadn't even thought about it that way. And so we end up digging deep into communication stuff and then what really drives them, what fuels them, and then how to use that with their clients. I think use is the big word there too, right? Um, So one-on-one coaching is great. I love it. And then I just launched a mini course. So this is just like get you a little little step in the door, a little dip the toes in into what I call the efficient consultation. If I can talk, I can't talk. I'm really good at communicating, I promise. <laughs> right. Um, the efficient consultation formula, which I set up some guiding principles, um, get you set up with your toolkit, and then a step-by-step formula to follow to quickly and efficiently extrapolate that information from your client. And then that is like one of nine lessons that lives in my signature course that won't be launching until next year. I think we're shooting for like late February. That's the Salon Experience Academy where we dive into all of the who you are, meaning who you, um, your value, purpose, and impact in the industry, who you serve, which I mentioned earlier, and then how to serve them with like tried and true customer service skills. So clearly I'm like all about the customer service, but I think everyone is just like one little system away from like truly rocking their business and understanding how quickly and efficiently they can make all the money. And then you have to come in and tell them what to do with the money. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because I don't do that. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. Thank you so much. Are you going to send me all the links to put into the show notes for everyone so they can find you so easily? Yes. Okay. Yes, and your I will podcast, absolutely do your hair mentor, correct? Your hair mentor. Oh, and you know, I should mention I'm putting together a private podcast playlist that has to do with all of these fun little juicy lessons um, that we'll be launching very soon too. I will send you that link as well, because probably by the time this show is posted, that will be live. Awesome. Awesome. Crystal, thank you so much. I adore talking to you. Um, So fun to talk to. So easy to talk to. I love it. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Yes. Anytime you have another topic you want to chat about, just let me know. Okay, girl. (laughs) Once again, thank you for listening to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners more than you know. If you like what you hear, Please screenshot this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me, Misty Jane, and the podcast at Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. You can even take it a step further and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk with you on the next one. 
And there you have it, my friend. That was my conversation on the Cash Confident Stylist podcast with my friend, Misty Jane. I hope you enjoyed that just as much as I did doing it. And if you want to go follow her, um, download her podcast episode. Again, it's the Cash Confident Stylist. She is absolutely fantastic when it comes to money mindset kind of stuff. And she speaks specifically to hairstylists and what they should do with their money in their own personal lives, which is really great and kind of different. Um, I know I'm a big fan of her work and I know you will get a lot out of it too. So anyway, I hope you enjoy that little, little teaser of what she has to offer and got to hear me in a different role. And uh, until next time, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. And as I always love to say, have a wonderful hair day and I'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Hey friend. Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind-the-chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.